the production of this show needs so much work. It's unbelievable. <laughs> We're, you're recording right. this. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Vern Value. And we are 25-year Wall Street veterans who have taken on secret identities and gone underground you're 25. in order to freely provide our candid views on a handful of stocks out of each week's Value Line Investment Survey. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news. But our bosses would never allow our unvarnished views on the air, so we've disguised our voices and they'll never know. A couple of caveats. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And that's not a guarantee, I think, as uh, longtime listeners know. Uh, also, we may have a lot of conflicts of in- interest. Uh, for example, we may not know anything about what we're talking about. That's something important. Or to we may keep just get mind. distracted during the show. Yeah, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of baseball on right now, close races. <clears throat> Don't want to get into all that. Uh, there's a lot of information about us at our website, www.thevalueguys.com. Uh, there's photos there, and there's also a button to Val's Best Picks, which is uh, starting to do a little better um, than it had the prior two years. So it's been an <clears throat> amazingly wild week on Wall Street, unprecedented, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what do the value guys think is about really? that, Vern? Yeah, what do we think about that? People ask. They Fun. Write in. Fun. Well, uh, listen, you have some socialism creeping in. Uh, this is what this is what happens taking over things. at the end of a business cycle. You will have moments of utter panic. Well, that's pretty clear. But the government uh, taking over more of the economy. Hopefully, you know they're going to uh, set something up like they did with the bank crisis ten years ago, and they'll clean it up and move on. And what I am in favor of is creating an atmosphere for an orderly sale of assets. If you've run your business badly. Uh, and you've bought assets that proved to be not worth what you thought, and now your equity is uh, insufficient, you're out of business, I don't feel sorry for you. But if you had good valuations on your assets and it's just the panic of the required immediate sell that's forcing those asset values down and forcing you into a problem, then I think the government can get involved to just get everyone to sit down in a room and try calm to figure down. out the value Just of the down. assets. And that's what they seem to be doing. I think uh, given the reaction of the stock market the last couple of days, <clears throat> I guess you got to say it's a near-term success. Well, but, I think really the market determines what the value of the assets are, and what they're trying to do is create an environment where whatever that determination is, it will have the least harm on other yeah, but Vern, if you have to sell something right now, that's different than having to sell it over the next six months. Absolutely. You don't have the panic of the potential buyer knowing you have a forced sale. Mm-hmm. It's just like having concert tickets. Uh, as the show is going on, those values are plummeting, and you just have to say, look, whenever you buy those tickets, that's when we're going to start the show. So you don't have that element of the, you know, the, the time erosion working at you. I wanted to just share uh, something else. Whatever that means. Oh, you don't understand what no, that I means? No, I was way over my Let's head. Let's say you have some no, concert tickets. No, please don't. Tickets. I, I, actually, okay, I got it entirely. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's something else. I have a new topic, Vern, if you don't mind. The Russell 2000 value and 3000 value broke out in July. I'm looking at this chart today because someone in my office handed it to me. And this was a wild week, okay? You started on Monday. And the reason this is worth talking about is all the value line prices are wrong. So we've had to revalue everything. Uh, Over the last week, the Russell 2000 value was up 6%. 
at one point it was down four. The Dow and the S&P 500 at one point this week were down eight, ended up flat. It was a very wild week. We had a lot of guys in the office wishing they were on the first floor uh, this week until today when it was great to have a nice view. But uh, Well, everybody's a genius today. It's uh, Yeah, we're all pretty smart today. But uh, anyway, just a comment. I don't know, Vern, what did, did you have any issues this week with uh, – you know, did you have to see someone or anything, or did you? Do you have, have some stocks you're going to do, or, or am I going to go? No, I'm going to introduce you. I'm well, sorry. Well, why don't you, you get to that? All right. Uh, you know, you, right. you, you forgot to okay. give the date of today, it this is, week's issue. It uh, is September 19th, 2008. It is actually that day. We're trying to do the show on time. And Vern's grown impatient with my uh, discussion of, you know, the most tumultuous markets in the history of our career. But whatever. Let's just move well, along I, then. I, I, no, listen. Let's just get right to it then, to the stocks. Absolutely. <laughs> We don't have to talk about these uh, historical events any longer. Uh, with a very modest amount of ado, and I think you know why, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, uh, Vern Value. Okay. Uh, by the way, I'm going to be back later with some stocks. I just want to give the people what they want. Okay. They didn't come to hear All us right. pontificate about they probably. Uh, I'm getting email Marcus where they want to know our opinion, Vern. About what's going on. What's going on? Sake. Yes. Yes. Anyway, well, but let's just we, get to this we one. just the, the financial sector has been in a death spiral of asset devaluations, and somebody's going to try to, you know, uh, break the momentum, and that's you know a positive. And I guess the Democrats may play ball. Well, you do have the government backstopping everything right now. They're going to throw all the bad assets into a garage. No one can go near it, and they're going to have a nice orderly sale and see what happens. And we can all get back to business, don't you hope so? Well, we need uh, we need uh, the uh, liquid and transparent flow of uh, capital, money, on a daily basis, unimpeded, um, backed by the full faith and uh, comfort with the counterparty to your transaction. Well, a lot of commerce depends on access to credit, and I guess uh, well, a couple days this week trust. the banks shut down. Right, right. you no. take away trust, no. and you've got nothing. I mean, when banks won't Absolutely. even lend to each other. So, I, did you? Uh, Hank Paulson actually made the comment that uh, um, this afternoon that people's, uh, the average per, uh, American's personal savings could be at stake. Uh, well, it's uh, real important to diversify your holdings, even your savings accounts and all that, among a variety of asset classes, no question. Uh, and ultimately, the government could not possibly pay everyone back. I read today the... Uh, Asset base of Americans is $55 trillion. GDP is $16 trillion. You know, we just don't have that laying around. So ultimately, everything's based on faith. The future will be here, and the earnings from those times will be available to pay off the debts you accumulate now. And if that breaks down, you got problems. Well, meanwhile, uh, more people are losing their jobs, and uh, wage growth is not exactly spectacular. And now... Uh, household wealth, wealth has taken a major hit, and people uh, fear the unknown. And uh, uh, until the consumer comes back, uh, it's going to be a difficult uh, business environment. It strikes me, though, Vern, as a mm. pretty typical recession if you look at just the uh, GDP-type numbers, consumer uh, spending-type numbers, mm -hmm. and that uh, once you backstop the banks and we're in some type of normal period, then, you know, you start to have some pretty good values here as you look out into 09 and 010. Well, this Do you is, agree with uh, that? Do you agree with uh, that? Uh, well, it, it, it assumes that we've seen the worst or are very close to seeing the worst. And I think there's a very good chance that uh, uh, while we may see the worst soon, 
it may take quite a while to get back to a normal environment. Uh, I agree. I think once you get into the spring and you're anniversarying some uh, expensive raw materials prices, you get uh, some margin improvement, yeah, earnings improvement, I you're mean, back into it. companies are still shedding workers by then. It'll, it's going to take you know at least nine months to 12 months after that to anniversary the effect of a shrinking workforce and, you know, supporting economic growth. Yeah, so, you got a tough period uh, in here. It's going to be no a question. while, folks. So, I, you know, hunker down and, uh, you know, try to be smart and take care of yourselves and hug your loved ones. And my first stop. Wait a minute. It's not that bad, Vern. It, it's an encounter group session oh, here today on The Value oh, Guys. My, uh, my first stock is Triumph Group. Symbol is TGI. Uh, I'm trying to take advantage of... Uh, well, some of the fear, of course, and uh, offset it with uh, favorable fundamentals. But I also have a short-term, uh, what I think are relatively short-term issues that are affecting the value of this aerospace and defense company. Yeah, I just want to interject. My portfolio's up, yeah. I think, 15% in the last two days. So Great. the fear, the fear seems to have dissipated. Everyone's portfolio is up. I think the fear might be old news. Um, old well, I news. I talked to some, um, I talked to a number of people today who. Um, they're still fearful. Yes, they because don't. they didn't own any stocks during the rally. Well, they're no, they, they mm-hmm. did. They mm-hmm. just don't. Um, they think there were some technical factors at work today that, in part, helped the market uh, extend its rally from yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any event, um, the uh, aerospace and defense group, at least those with the exposure to commercial uh, aircraft build, um, have been under pressure both from you know the. Uh, the deflating of the asset bubble and what that might mean for um, available capital to honor some of the orders that some of the developing world airlines have made uh, and have built these giant order backlogs at Boeing and Airbus, Um, and a uh, nearer-term concern about softening uh, economic fundamentals and what that might mean just for the number of takeoff and landings you're going to have. And, for example, we've talked on the show before about United and American, I think maybe some other airlines, planning to take out some capacity domestically this fall. I think the numbers are fairly large, 2 3 4%. Um, I don't think it's much uh, as much an issue in the rest of the world, but it'll put some pressure 4%. on the profitable aftermarket <laughs> businesses for uh, the companies that – um, serve the sector, and so I looked, went looking for a bargain or something like that looked interesting within that group. And I looked at Goodrich, for example, high quality name. Triumph. I don't know if a lot of people uh, know this is the old uh, uh, aerospace operations of Alco Standard that have then had a series of acquisitions added to them to sort of build a broad capability. Um, what structural and non-structural component engine accessories and uh, hydraulic mechanical and electromechanical control systems. So they make a, they make a lot of content on the average plane. Uh, some of it's not quite as – there are other companies that have sexier, higher tech uh, product mixes than this one does, but it's a pretty indispensable player in the entire supply chain. They do, according to Value Line, about a quarter of their business with Boeing. They do about 80% of their business in these products and about 20% of their business in aftermarket. I would guess based on typical uh, operating margin spreads between those two businesses that they might do 40% of their earnings in aftermarket and 60% in the equipment business. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what I like here is Value Line mentions specifically that they have a wide range of components. I assume a lot of content on Boeing's new 787 
um, which uh, for which Boeing has about 900 orders right now. While I fear that there might be some other aircraft types that would see orders uh, eliminated, this pro- this aircraft is going to go into production, and they're going to be able to sell as many of them as they can make for the next several years because it is so much more fuel efficient. Uh, than whatever you well, replace. and they're easier to make. I mean, once you can get all these workers. To well, get once back you get the work. supply chain going. So yeah. the the group's been hit incrementally by the strike at Boeing. Uh, we have a temporary fuel price uh, uh, issue that's hurt the airline industry. You've got an economic downturn. So there's a lot of bad news in the space right now. I think there's some uh, exciting, uh, call it three-year growth potential for suppliers to the space. And Value Line's looking for earnings per share, a Triumph Group, to go from 430 last year to almost double that in their 2011 to 2013 time frame. Stock's down 35 from recent highs at about $53. The Value Line price pretty close to where the stock closed today. At that level, under 10 times earnings. Uh, I'm looking at, what, about five times gross cash flow in 2009. So the market's basically saying, well, I don't want to buy this because things are peaking. And I would point out the 787 is just barely getting into production. So uh, I think there's another leg up for growth for Triumph Group. It's under seven times enterprise value, but da, simple TGI, take a look at that. So what else could I find in there? Now, the defense names all look uh, look like ski slopes. I mean, there's been almost no break. They just keep going straight up. Uh, so nothing there for a value guy. But I did find an interesting, another interesting story. I'm not familiar with this company. It's called CAE. Why, Charlie, Bern, can I just interject yeah. a question? Right. I what? mean to break up your yeah. flow or anything. Why are they going straight up? Where are they, you, the aerospace and defense yeah, companies? You say they're going up. Large Why? procurement programs and expectations for uh, rising expenditures to support a what they call a reset of the force in combination with some uh, programs that okay, have been in gestation good. for I a think the time. listeners like to like to yeah. hear that sort of thing. Yeah, right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Just go ahead then. They, but I, what I found was a stock called CAE. That's Charlie Alpha Edward. Uh, trades on the Toronto Exchange apparently, so you might need a .to uh, to pull it up on Yahoo, for example. Uh, Value Line says priced at eleven twenty, actually closed about a dollar lower today than that number. Uh, was fifteen times earnings then, and is now more like thirteen and a half, so below market. Down about a third from uh, a little more than a third now from uh, its uh, highs earlier this year and high last year. Uh, and my theme here is uh, for this uh, company, which is a leading provider of simulation technologies and training services to commercial airlines, manufacturers, and military forces. Civilian simulation and training, 57% of sales, military, 43%. So well-balanced in that regard. Uh, For soldiers, yes, that's exactly Mm. what the business is. And uh, my theme here is less war, generally speaking. Certainly uh, more expensive airplanes, so we can't afford as many of them. So the, the traditional route to training future airline pilots, in other words, developing military pilots, and then as they retire, they transition into the civilian Air Corps, if you will, um, are starting to dry up at a time with the, where the number of airplanes needed to staff the world's fleet, to populate the world fleet, is uh, expected to explode, in part because of internal demands within Asia, and China especially. So um, I've read some about this in the past, uh, huge numbers of Pilots that they've estimated they need. Uh, just take those 900 787s that Boeing has orders for. If you added that to the fleet, how many pilots do you need per plane? 
Uh, well, at least I three. If you're going to fly it all day long in eight-hour shifts, you'd need at least 2,700 new pilots. How many pilots do you have now? Just to put I, I think the number's in the, uh, you know, maybe uh, low tens of thousands, 20,000, 30,000 maybe. I'm not really sure. Okay. Well, um, CAE, nice career choice for a CAE a apparently had a capacity to train about 1,000 pilots a year, just made an acquisition, adds 40% of their capacity. Um, Can I, I just ask a question yeah. again? I'm sorry. How much uh, do pilots make exactly? I've, I'm I thinking maybe of a career change. I don't know what. <laughs> uh, for for one reason or another, this company went from '98 through 2005 with basically flat revenue. There is some mention in um, in the value line discussion of the company that what's changed here versus 10 years ago is that the majority of the company's business now comes from military and recurring training instead of hmm. simulator sales. So. What's happened hmm. here is we're at the end of a big transition from being a capital goods manufacturer you're going with to a business service provider in a market that could be on the verge of exploding in terms of demand. Are their margins going up? Or? Well, their revenue, which was stuck at about a billion one level, then uh, two years ago, a billion two fifty. Last year, a billion four twenty five. Value Line's looking for better than a billion and a half this year on the way to north of two billion. No, margins uh, well, have they've been... they've got a nice margin. Margin looks like it was more Very variable nice. in the past, 14 times, I mean 14%, 25% within three years of each other, but hasn't been below 20% since 05 and expected so to be sustained. So there must be good money in this uh, training, uh, uh, training business. And I guess they have a backlog of $2.8 billion Canadian. That's about two years of revenue based on the trailing run rate. So... Uh, it looks like a lot of visibility. You've got to pay 10 times cash flow, more times free cash flow. There's some CapEx to support the, the uh, facilities and the, the simulation um, units. Even if you're not selling them and building them, you need them for your own training purposes. Uh, return on capital, on the other hand, has moved into the mid-teens. D- nothing here about ownership. I, I, I wonder if it's a uh, broadly held business or whether there's a family that owns. I don't know. Eight times enterprise value to EBITDA. You've got to take a look at this one, folks. It looks very interesting. CAE um, on the Toronto Exchange. And then my last one. In, I like uh, that one, Vern. I like that. Why, thank you. Sure. The, uh, the last one is not actually in aerospace and defense. It's in what Value Line calls metal fabricating. I'm not quite sure why because um, they provide management services. Uh, the Shaw Group, a provider of engineering, design, technology, procurement, construction, maintenance, you know, several other things, and facilities management for private and government clients in energy, chemicals, environmental, infrastructure, and emergency response. Those are all things that we are going to need more I of like in the future. I like all those things. They seem energy, good to me. chemicals, environmental, infrastructure. I mean, energy markets are on fire. Environmental is a growth area. Infrastructure, we can't have enough of. Emergency response is getting more attention. And chemicals is a uh, business that uh, has an aging asset base and needs reinvestment. So um, it looks to me like a company with a great deal of promise. Used to generate, like, high single-digit operating margins and then went through a five-, six-year period, including 2008, with margins below 5%. And I don't know what happened here. It used to be a sub-billion-dollar business, and they've grown into its almost $6, 7000000000 billion revenue business. Maybe they bought something right No here. mention here of acquisitions. You have to believe that that's been the case, but, but how would they could do you that? grow organically that fast simply by well, look adding at this giant new projects? Isn't this year a big jump? Yeah, that's a double in 2002. It was a double in 2001. 
So they bought um, something mid-year right here. You well, get it half of way. it here, and then you yeah, get the probably, other. Probably, but I, you know, I don't know. You don't know. We don't know. Don't know. We're just dealing with value line. Right. We got one but sheet. There's a couple interesting numbers in their write-up about this business that they expect to do seven billion in revenue this year. Uh, backlog increased 16 percent sequentially in the May quarter to 16 billion. Wow. Before adding in any of the nuclear power projects for which they have been awarded six contracts in the U.K. They also have contracts for four coal-fired plants there. If you add all of that order activity to the existing $16 billion backlog, you apparently have a $38 billion backlog. That is a big freaking backlog. Four and a half years' worth of business at the current rate. I mean, is this company going to grow? Give me a break. And it's nuclear, folks. This is going to be a very hot area. Maybe. Right now, enterprise value to EBITDA about six times. You can't um, count on that. Penalty here on valuation maybe because return on capital is a single-digit number. I also don't know why. Maybe uh, the, the stock has been hugely cyclical in the past. Sounds like your acquisition theory didn't work out very well. Margins collapsed, returns collapsed, right. and now it's Got recovered penalized. from that cyclically. There's, there's more to know here, but uh, symbol SGR, nuclear story, looks like a might be a uh, fallen angel that you might be catching, not in the first inning, but maybe in the third inning and early enough to make a lot of money. Or, it looks like the f- sixth inning. I don't know if it's an angel either, but uh, Shaw Group, SGR, and with that... I'm going to turn it over. To, first, we should take a beverage break. Beverage break. Thank, Thank you, Vern. Have a sip of uh, and with that, beverage. I turn it over to the keymaker, Val Hughes. Thank you. I don't know what that means. Is that from Ghostbusters? No. No. Okay. Who, what was it in uh, Ghostbusters? It wasn't the keymaker, was it? Uh, some key. No, the keymaker's in the Matrix. Oh, is it? Yeah. Uh, Ghostbusters had a Ghostbusters. guy. I don't know. Okay, listen, we've wasted enough of your time already. If you're still listening, my gosh, you're, you're a brave person. Um, okay, I'm going to have a couple of good ideas for you now. I'm going to stop pontificating about things of which I know nothing and start giving you some detail about things I know nothing, which is some stocks. Okay, page You know, I think I have to allow for a pilot to be sick or on vacation. You might need four pilots per airplane. You might. But anyway, they don't run 24 hours you, a day, Val. do they? Back to you, Val. Is that a flash, news flash on a past idea? All no, right. but in the future, when you manage the assets better, you won't be a lot, you won't you won't be able to let these airplanes sit on the ground. No one wants to fly at the times of day when you'd have to run these things to have them running 24 hours. No one will sign up for the flight. That's what matters. We're That's just why talking, the airports We're just talking are about so pricing. Busy. We're talking about pricing. Oh, what if God. it costs four times as much to fly during the day? It won't matter. Well, they're not going to price them that You're way. crazy. All right. Precision cast parts, ladies and gentlemen, page 562. What's my theme on this? My theme is that wealth is driving increased aircraft use, and, uh, and that's independent of what's going on in the United States economy right now. It's just a matter of more wealthy people worldwide as a yeah. percent of total people worldwide. And the amount of aircraft there are relative to the amount of cars – or, you know, feet, I guess, uh, is so small that these small movements are going to drive a lot of demand, not to mention the aging of the population, or aging of the aircraft fleet, et cetera. What these guys do is they make complex metal components, I'm just reading what Value Line has, and products for aerospace and specialized industry. 
Uh, they're 55% aerospace, 24% power generation. Both things are in the ascension in terms of share of GDP. And uh, automotive is 5%. That's good. You couldn't be less How big involved. is industrial? Uh, 16 so there's 20% so, of it that's going to be hurting worse. Yeah, and okay. 80 that's better. So yeah, that's, okay. a good, that's a good that's a good ratio. ratio. Um, and they've got you know proprietary margins, and they've been in a growth phase for 10 years on margins. They're Same at ratio at Triumph Group, by the way. Yeah, but go good, ahead. But we're not talking about that anymore. People can rewind if they want to hear that. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm also just attracted to the valuation: nine times gross cash flow, ten times free cash flow. I don't oh, like... So it's a little more expensive than Triumph Group. I have no idea. I have no memory of hmm. you even talking about that right now. Uh, common shares outstanding, growing. The thing that's different than Triumph Group here, and I have very little memory for, for that presentation, is that they are diversified to all the aircraft makers. They all want their stuff. They're putting up 20% returns on capital. What's your Triumph Group uh, putting up? Eight. Eight. Okay. Well, let me just say, eight... Equal opportunity. Is less than 20, right. Already have they been there, shown been any there, history done that. of knowing how to run the company? Hey, the idea is to buy something that will be worth more Do in the future. Any, is there any evidence the management has any clue how to grow the return on capital? Yes. No. It used okay. to be three, and it's or they're eight. Doing They've more than doubled they're it. They're doing something that's a total... You know, either it's a commodity or they hey, don't know how to organize themselves. You were telling These us guys, about precision cash Yes, I was when you were talking about that. 25% operating margin, that's proprietary. 20% return on capital, that means good, okay? Debt very low, 7% of debt to cap, so I don't have to worry about that. Their return on equity is 21%, but it could be 30 easily. You if know they the business up. that they own. They own HowMet, the investment caster that used to be part of... Uh, was a part of Morton no. or something like that? Uh, it's a great yeah, business, huge I mean, return. Right. I mean, uh, they are dialed in on the Airbus. That puts them in gas, ter industrial gas turbines okay. too. Terrific. They're dialed in on Boeing seven eighty seven. According to Value Line, they're going to have elevated sales and they're likely to persist. So that's good news. Uh, what else can I tell you? The earnings growth rate estimate here is eighteen percent over the next five years. They've got about three bucks a share in cash. Hard. Yeah, it's hard. I'm sure they include growing margins because they're just extrapolating that. They'd have to because, uh, right. I mean, Boeing and Airbus, I don't know if on an annual basis they can support that kind of Yeah, growth. okay. So, you know, do they have new markets they can go into uh, when you have the two biggest airplane makers? Now, maybe they're going to go into some sort of uh, you know, smaller aircraft. I don't know. But it, that, that growth rate does seem a little high. But I just think the valuation is compelling. They're dialed in. There's no risk here to any particular model. And all you have to bet on is is uh, the thought More that airplanes. aircraft uh, is going to gain share. Air miles are going to gain share from every other sort of miles. I think that's an easy one. Precision cash parts, 562. Okay. Moving along uh, here. What do I have next? Oh, this is kind of an interesting one in the compare and contrast column. Because they did health care this week. Uh, and so, you know, the demographics there, the wind at your back, I'm a fan of all that. And there's three companies here I like. So I'm going to talk about, uh, I guess, two of them. And one doesn't, you know, make it. I'm going to talk about why. The first one up is Cigna Group, CI. And this is listed in medical supplies or products or services, what have you. It's really an insurance company, life and health insurance. But, of course, sometimes health insurance bleeds over and starts to look like an HMO. 
and ultimately, you know, the functionality to you as the consumer is probably the same. But if you're an insurance company, you can make higher returns because you don't have capital locked up in equipment and hospitals and buildings and all that like the HMOs do. Yeah, and and you're just too. taking a, basically a service fee for managing all that in some way and managing the finances on it. So you earn a nice return on capital. Cigna, 16% return on capital. Uh, United Healthcare, United, uh, which I'm also recommending today, is 13%, and WellPoint, which I've talked about in the past, but I'm going to pass on today, they're just down at 9%. Then you look at operating margins, Cigna, you know, they're putting up a 33% operating margin. Again, it's because it's a lot of service. United Healthcare is putting up 9.5%, WellPoint, 9 and a half, 8.5%. I can't, I blocked some of this out, but you know, these guys are struggling to cover their costs. They can't get price increases, and yet the insurance guys are just getting a little piece of a big pie, and if they can just get a little more efficient, there's a lot of leverage to that. And so that's what I think that uh, Cigna has going on here. Um, they're trading at seven times gross cash flow. I don't have a CapEx number here. It says NMF, which I can only assume means it's zero. So you're at seven times some kind of free cash flow. That's a 14% return if I just look at the inverse. And then according to value line, I'm going to have 12% growth. I'm up in the mid-20s as a return here. Uh, their debt to capital is 30%. That's, you know, modest for a stable business like this. And they've got a lot of cash, but, you know, as an insurance company, they need a lot of reserves. So I don't want to start subtracting that. If I look at their enterprise value, $10.8 billion market cap, uh, plus their $2.5 billion in debt, I'm up at 13.3. If I subtract just the difference between total assets and total liabilities as their net cash, I'm down at an enterprise value of $8.5 billion, and I've got operating income of $5 billion. So that's less than two times, but no, that doesn't make any sense because you got to look at interest expense, too. It's kind of part of the business I don't think here. you can subtract Yeah, it's part of the cost 13, of funds. 3. So, all right, so let's look at just earnings. And even on that basis, I'm down around eight times, yeah. and I like the stability of the business. So, you know, what are the details? Uh, look, they're having trouble growing enrollment. Well, population grows at about, what, 2%? So if you're not gaining share, that's where you're at. Uh, everyone's in an HMO or already has an insurance company, so all you can hope is that you steal somebody's customers or, you know, prevent them from stealing yours. And so you're going to be a low growth half the time. Uh, but the stability of it and the certainty of it is, I think, what makes this worth money. Remember, the long-term bond at a 4% yield, that's 25 times uh, net earnings, uh, or actually it's pre-tax earnings. So, you know, there is some value to stability. Cigna, ticker CI, page 632. And then finally, oh, my, we're over time. Ooh, there's a word we're, we're over the time. hoping we'd hear. Which is what? Mm. Finally? No, no. You're just I, a smartass over else. there, Vern. Let's face it. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to talk about United Health Group, and I just said Cigna's better, and I think that. But United Healthcare is well, you a really can tune out now. Then yeah, you can because. <laughs> but here's the thing: um, insurance companies, I think, have a risk of being regulated, or if we do move towards socialized medicine, the insurance companies yes. and their returns probably get scrutiny. The nice thing about United Healthcare and WellPoint is that they're the front line. You know, even if the government gets involved, they're going to need a front end. They do want you to still have access to your same doctor, 
<coughs> your same hospital and all that. They don't want to change up everything on you at the same time. So these guys are apt to stay in business as the front end. I've talked about WellPoint in the past because they have the Blue Cross Blue Shield brand, which is great. Now, that's not to say Cigna doesn't have a worthwhile brand. I think they do. But, again, they're not the provider. WellPoint, you know, is, and United Health Group is. So I looked at these two because I have recommended WellPoint in the past, but all of a sudden to me, United looks a lot cheaper. It's six times gross cash flow versus eight times. It's five times enterprise value to EBITDA versus eight times for WellPoint. Uh, it does have a slower growth rate predicted by Value Line, but, you know, who knows how good Value Line is going to be on that. Oh, Let's just say come it's, on. it's a That's tough a guess. It's not a drive-by. The future, you're going to tell me. The data is inconvenient. Listen, I'll shoot the Value it's the Line fu- analyst. It's not data, my friend. It's a projection about a future of which no one knows anything well, then about. Don't, then make your Here's, case uh, on other I than the please, projection. We're already late. All right, okay. Sorry. I mean, what are you what are you saying I that I, you're you're defending I Value Line's growth estimate? I think My Value Line. Can look at the publishing. Here's what I think. Yeah. Wellpoint, they may have a faster growth rate if they have more geography to go to, and United Healthcare is also already everywhere. I'll give you that. I don't know that for sure, but uh, I also think that uh, uh, this valuation difference is pretty compelling. And uh, they're both apt to grow at least as, as strongly as GDP with the fact that demographics is at your back. The details of United Healthcare beyond the valuation are that uh, they buy back a lot of stock. Uh, they have had some trouble with, you know, growth of Time's customers. Up. And, you know, that's the only hair on it. It's going to be turned around by next year. United Healthcare, UNH, page 650. Look at the details. I guess I'm not doing a good job here today. Oh, I'm, I think you did I'm a well fabulous less prepared. job well, you, for someone who's not as I'm well not prepared as, well as, prepared you'd like as I'd like to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the valuation difference between United Health and WellPoint is just compelling. That's mm-hmm. all. My favorite idea, though, this week, Vern, I'll just go. It was actually mine, that, right? Is Cigna. No, you no. like CAE better. No, I, I actually don't. I don't. Because. Come the thing on, be about with the I people. will. The thing about CAE mm-hmm. is that there could be someone else about to come out with the program that everyone wants from now on, and it's just this takes that infrastructure. Risk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I don't like about mm. that sort All of right. thing, though. Yeah. Well, see you next week, folks.